You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, my co-host, Paul Doroshenko. Recording outside today because it's a gorgeous day in Vancouver, 19 degrees currently. It's uh, uh, about a half an hour before noon. Yeah, that's why we're outside. Well, we're also outside because you're not feeling well. I'm sick again. So probably wise to be outside. So here we are with the wasps. One just came to join us. Yep. Yep. One just came to join us. It was great. So we have a lot to talk about. But before we get into the driving law, I thought that we would maybe recognize this momentous occasion that we are experiencing. A couple of momentous, three three things that I can think of right now. Yes. Momentous occasion number one, we are celebrating our one-year anniversary of having our full, not conditional, occupancy permit at our building. Yes. Actually being in there for a year. And I have to say, it's been a great year. A um, bunch of uh, things that uh, have been advantageous of it. Uh, probably number one is that everybody's so happy in the office. Um, so Except the dishwasher broke, apparently. Stat so. turnover. I don't think it broke. I think somebody put a chopstick in upside down. That's a regular problem that I see. Oh, okay. So I'll repair it. That's Paul, the d- dishwasher repairman, chief dishwasher officer. I was offered a job as a dishwasher repairman. <laughs> Mr. Gollick. I was a lawyer already, and <laughs> And uh, the dishwasher repairman came and I told him about how I repaired a previous thing. He goes, oh, if only I had somebody who knew how to do that. Well, there you go. Yeah. Um, so that's exciting. One yeah. year and one year on our building on 7th, the green building. We love it. And the other big news, the other awesome piece of information is that we, Acumen Law, were named best lawyer to call when an accident strikes by Georgia Strait. So that was a uh, Vancouver award viewers poll and uh, reader reader poll, I guess. Well, I mean, yes. Um, And uh, yeah, we came out number one. So that was exciting. Um, Andrew Bonfield, uh, who used to share space with me years ago, he's now a prosecutor, was number one one year. Um, And uh, yeah, so it's uh, it's our year. It's our year to shine. And I'm happy. Yes. Yeah. So that's two things. There's a third thing that you don't even know about. What's the third thing I don't know about? I just, uh, one of your music producers just emailed me a, uh, a first uh, revision of one of your songs that you recently recorded that I wrote. I'm a new song soon. Says, well, you've got a few things in the can. We just have yeah. to shoot some music videos for them. Well, yeah. Um, but the fourth thing, the thing that I was going to say was you are releasing a new song today. Yes. I released one last week. I've got another one for this week. Tell us a little bit about the song. Sure. Um, well, I put a uh, uh, image of the sort of the cover art on uh, on Twitter and asked people if they could figure out what it said because it had no justice. And then I blocked off the last word. No peace. Everyone came up with uh, a different um, potential third word, and I appreciated it. It's about an incident um, that took place in Fort Collins, Colorado, uh, just over two years ago, where a fellow was uh, out with some friends, and um, one of the friends he was with was assaulted uh, 
and the Fort Collins police attended, not because of that, um, but um, he tried to discuss the assault with them, and they were quite dismissive. Uh, he had been drinking, but, you know, still was a reasonable individual. Uh, and ultimately, the police decided that they were going to issue him a ticket for trespassing uh, based on something that one of the the um, uh, bouncers at the bar had said, apparently. And he they had his driver's license. They knew who he was, standing there with a burrito in his hand. Uh, and um, he said at one point, you know, can't we just talk about this man to man? I got a burrito in my hand. Like, you know, he was trying to explain to them that he's no threat. And the officer went to stuff the ticket in his pocket, and he pulled away. He told them, you've got my ID. Like, I'll come next week and resolve this. Um, he pulled away, and so the police grabbed him, slammed him down onto the ground hard. There's four or five officers there. This is on body camera. And he kept asking, you know, or seriously, seriously, you know, for a ticket. And then they sprayed him in his face, in his eyes, from two, three inches away with pepper spray. Uh, pepper spray is never supposed to be used this way. Uh, you know, it's, uh, it's a, a propellant under great pressure in that can. So he was blinded. Yeah. And badly injured. And he's got permanent, uh, vision loss and he was charged with, um, some equivalent of obstruction, I guess. And that was dropped, uh, should have been dropped. And there was some police investigation and the officer who sprayed the pepper spray. I mean, everybody was sort of, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. Uh, but that was the end of it, and he got a, an award from the chief. Now, Fort Collins, Colorado, has some fairly significant problems with the police. Um, the um, Our friend, uh, who is a member of the DUI DLA, the Defense Lawyers Association in the U.S., Sarah Schelke, uh, has sued them uh, in a couple of really prominent cases, and now she's acting for this fellow, and there was a video released um, to explain the problems uh, as the uh, lawsuit was filed. And I saw this video and I was, you know... The, the inspired. Inspired, inspired, but also struck with the um, with the the thing that we're seeing that we didn't see before, and that is until there was no video, until there was no body cams or, you know, people recording it, in a situation like this, um, this fellow would have just been disbelieved. And it's only because of the video that we can see how the police sometimes behave. And of course, this is individual officers. I'm not, you know, casting aspersions on, um, you know, police in general. I just, you know, there's some officers uh, have persuaded themselves that, um, that uh, you know, they can basically abuse their authority and be so rough with people, uh, the people who have, uh, you know, rights that need to be protected. So, uh, at the end of the podcast, maybe Jay can play a little bit of my new song. It's called No Justice Burrito. And I'm pretty happy with it because we put it together in a week, recorded it last Saturday, yeah. uh, shot the video on um, on Monday, which was a holiday. Got it all done. Great. Well, that actually kind of leads into our next topic. Cheers. Because that incident, No Justice Burrito, was captured on police body cam. Yes. But a lot of times in Canada, and I think this is a big misconception that we have about police in B.C., is that we don't have police equipped with body cams and police vehicles are often not equipped with dash cam, which is crazy because, like, dash cams are cheap, they're plentiful. Like, I get that body cam technology is difficult, but dash cams, 
all police vehicles should come equipped with that as a standard thing now. Both well, they, they've been selling it for years, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. there's manufacturers who make it and, and provide it, and we do have it in some cars, and there's no reason for it not to be provided. I mean, I can tell you the reasons that the police don't want to do it, but there's no good reason in my view not to have it. Yes. So you and I talked before on the podcast about a shooting death of a man, uh, Waylon Eddy, from Yak. It was one of the Kootenays. Yes. Uh, Constable Jason Tate um, was investigating him as a prohibited driver, tried to arrest him. He wouldn't pull over. He drove towards Constable Tate. Constable Tate felt like he had no other option but to shoot at the driver and shot Mr. Eddy and killed him. And so he was charged with manslaughter. He was acquitted um, after a jury trial. Um, and then uh, he, because it was a police death, police shooting death, there was a coroner's inquest. It's mandatory in British Columbia yeah. for any police involved death to lead to a coroner's inquest. So the coroner's inquest has finally concluded. This is eight years after the killing. And they made a number of recommendations about police conduct, one of which was that police vehicles should all have dash cams and police should all have body cams. This isn't the first time we've had this recommendation. I mean, it's a number of times and one, one wonders. Coroner's inquest. Police should wear body cams. What's the point of having a coroner's inquest if they're never going to follow through on any of the recommendations? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. What is the point? So, but they also made a number of other driving law specific recommendations because this was a driving incident, because Mr. Eddy was a prolific uh, impaired driver, a prolific uh, prohibited driver. There were a number of other recommendations that were made that focused on driving laws in Canada and British Columbia. And they were. So one of them was that ICBC should change its policy around insuring vehicles owned by prohibited drivers. So essentially, if the vehicle is in the name of a prohibited driver, ICBC should not be allowed to sell insurance for that vehicle. Uh, that's interesting. I don't know what uh, great difference that's going to make because if the police see a vehicle that's registered to a prohibited driver, they pull, uh, they pull them over immediately because they, they've got... Uh, Automatic license plate recognition yeah. uh, system will pick it up. So I don't know that that would be that useful. And really, um, often it's somebody else who needs to drive. And you're sitting there saying, okay, well, I'm prohibited. My 19-year-old son can drive the car. Uh, I'm not going to sell it to the son and, and go through that hassle. I'm just going to insure it and my son can drive. And your son's going to get pulled over because the license plate recognition. So that, mm -hmm. that um, seems to be one of those recommendations where... I mean, part of the problem here with all of these jury recommendations are that they, they don't necessarily understand the way the rest of the procedure works. Yes. Now, the other recommendation that was made that related to driving laws is that police, um, RCMP and the Minister of Public Safety should essentially explore the options available to restaurants and bars in sharing information about intoxicated persons. So essentially, like, set up a tip line for drunk people leaving restaurants and bars. Was this a drinking driving case as well? He was a prolific impaired driver. Oh, that's the reason he had the multiple pro yeah. driving case. Yeah, he was prohibited okay. from impaired driving and All right. then prohibited, drove multiple times. In any event, I, this too is not really like what 
what information would they share that doesn't already get shared? Like as part all you have to do is send nine one one. You're required to report somebody if you think they're driving and they're intoxicated. So where is the you know, like I don't know if the options they're thinking about are like releasing security footage for or making it mandatory to turn that over in cases where somebody's been reported as an impaired driver, but. The police can get that information anyway in bars and restaurants. If the police bother to go get it, bars and restaurants freely turn it over. But that's so rarely the the key evidence anyway. I mean, the the important evidence is the police officer's observations and and potentially if they've got video. You know, if if, if there's a person who's impaired and they've got symptoms that are are clear enough that they can be picked up on video. You know, I, I, I probably mentioned this before. You know, I was arguing about video what's in court wanting it and uh, the judge commented it either goes one way or the other once you get the video mr doroshenko yeah you're right yep um and then the other suggestion that they made which again was kind of like not much of a suggestion was that federal and provincial laws related to prohibited driving should be strengthened to prevent prohibited drivers from getting into cars in the first place yeah. How do you do that? How do you do that? Like, I mean, this is not a, I'm hoping it's not a police state. Yeah. I, I, I don't like, I don't see how it's feasible. Like, I mean, it might be in 20 years when technology advances, perhaps they could make it so that you have to scan your, your driver's license to unlock your car or something. But that's not what we're dealing with right now. And even that is not you know, it's not going to be great because you could just take somebody else's driver's license and unlock a car with it. So, well, once like, again, pro- I mean, prohibited drivers are going to find a way to drive. It doesn't really matter what the law says. There are people who it does not matter for them. They will drive. There is not a hurdle you could put in place to keep them from driving. Not all of them, but a small, small, small. small. There's, a, there's a portion of people and it's probably about 10 percent who just disregard it and feel that they can drive despite the fact that they're prohibited. And the police generally know about them. Constable Tate knew about this one. Um, and it was just, you know, it was a situation where the vehicle was about to be used as a weapon and put him at risk. Um, I still feel so sorry for him, having been charged and everything. I met him. I've talked to him. You've met him and talked yeah. to him. We both talked to him in the uh, courthouse in Nelson. Now. Before this happened or after, I don't know, but nice guy. Well, we're talking about bars and restaurants and information sharing. One thing that bars and restaurants and servers and liquor license holders are concerned about when letting an intoxicated person leave is letting them drive because you can be sued in something called host liability. And essentially a victim of an impaired driver can sue you and say, you overserved, you were negligent, you have to pay my losses as a result of your negligence in overserving this person and letting them leave and letting them get in a car. And the bar and restaurant lobby was so strong in Texas that they actually managed to put a law on the books to prevent themselves from being sued if somebody is killed in a drunk driving accident. I'm sympathetic to them because you don't know whether or not somebody's driving. Sometimes you do, right? Sure, but um, all you have to do is take reasonable steps. You know, ask somebody if they have a safe ride home, watch them when they leave. But a lot of times people can look fine um, and um, be walking and talking fine or or make it out the door without somebody knowing that they're leaving at that point. I mean, there's just so many potential intervening things. And 
takes away responsibility from that individual who's making that decision to drink that much and drive and puts it on on um, yeah somebody else who's well, not in his brain. Like, this one's brain. even more insane. This is So House Bill 393, if you want to read it, in Texas. Oh, this is a new Texas law. Yeah. Yeah. Will require convicted drunk drivers, if they kill a child's parent or guardian, to pay that child's child support. Well, yeah, that's pretty significant. Um, Ridiculous. Uh, it, well, I mean, it's it's what it's it, it'd be crushing. I mean, but means? like, well, what if a person it... like me? I elect not to have children because I don't want to be financially responsible for a child, among many other reasons. I have no desire to have children, and then all of a sudden, I have to take on the responsibility of a parent financially. In any event, yeah. I mean, uh, you you imagine the cost of that, but in Texas, if you if you have an accident, you kill somebody, you're not getting out of jail until. No. Until after that but, kid's 21. But don't worry. The Texas legislature made sure to cover that by saying that if you're incarcerated, yes. then you have to make the payments, including all of the arrears for the time that you were incarcerated, no later, paid in full, no later than the first anniversary of the date of your release. So you're in jail for five years. Let's say you get an extraordinarily light sentence for killing someone in Texas. You go to jail for five years. You come out. You don't have a house, a job. Your bank has basically closed your bank account. You have nothing. And you have one year to pay five years worth of child support. You've got no job. However many children. You're prohibited from driving probably for the rest of your life. It doesn't matter either. Like, think about if you kill like a deadbeat dad who's not paying his child support. Think about if you kill someone who has like eight kids and doesn't do anything, doesn't work. You still, you're on the hook for those kids' lives, even though dad was never going to support them. Well, and you yeah. could probably, you could probably go to jail uh, for not paying. Of course In Texas. So it's basically trying to give a life sentence. I don't know. I, I, you know, I was thinking about this. I didn't, I didn't know about that part about paying once you got out of jail. Yeah. My first thought was, but I thought, uh, you know, if this happened to you, what's your option? I mean, suicide, really. Um, right. I don't, know. I don't know what else you do. I mean, when they... When they take it to that level, it's just absurd. Um, you know, I, I, I'm I'm shocked by it. I'm surprised by it. I'm amazed what mothers against drunk driving can persuade um, governments to do. Uh, it's uh, but you know, this is America where they give people 200 year jail sentences. Um, everybody knowing they're going to die in 15 years. So yeah, it's stupid. Um, I hope it doesn't uh, doesn't catch on here, but I'm I'm kind of surprised with the conservatives having their convention that that's not one of the things on the table. Yeah, so there you go. That's Texas for you. Now, Paul, never drive in Texas. Very quickly before we get to the ridiculous driver of the week, I did want to talk about the ridiculous police enforcement of the week. Okay, we don't usually have ridiculous police enforcement, but we have had it from time to time, and this one in Montreal has me laughing. So the Montreal police have gone and paid actual money to equip backpacks with those, you know, those roadside speed signs where it like measures your speed, you drive past, like you're in a construction zone and it gives you the frowny face if you're going too fast. Yeah, they're using radar. They use radar to... Oh, they put them on children's backpacks. Radar kids. And they're, they're putting, giving the backpacks to kids walking in school zones 
to show drivers how fast they're going and try and get them to slow down. That's hilarious. Just but, like, but you know what I know. They're not actually doing it. They're not act. They just want to be on the news. They're doing it. Uh, yeah, it'll last for a week. Well, yeah, two, three it's days. It's back to school stuff, but they spent money on this. It's all hilarious back to school stuff. Anyway, radar kids. I hope you know. There's always discussion and worry that uh, police radar units were causing cancer um, to police officers. I don't know that I would want my kid uh, carrying around a radar on their back. You wonder why we say like defund the police, and then the police go do something like that. Like, you, we can't buy body cams because we don't have the budget. But look what we did buy. Yeah. Body radar for children. <laughs> exactly. Backpacks. That's pretty silly. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's kind of funny. Okay. I'd try it. All right. So now, Paul, it's time for the much anticipated part of this podcast, semi-regular, which is a McGracken moment. Ladies and gentlemen, let loose the law and justice cracking Eric McGrackin! Welcome to the McGracken Moment. Here's your latest update on ICBC no-fault insurance. So if you're injured in a crash and you're disabled from working, you would think ICBC has to pay you income replacement benefits, and they do, but before they have to pay you one penny, ICBC can make you go through every other source of available benefits. So ICBC, even though they're a car crash insurer, when you're disabled in a car crash, in many ways, they're the insurer of last resort. Doesn't make a lot of sense, but it's true. There was a case this week called Nishimura and ICBC at the Civil Resolution Tribunal. That's the body that has jurisdiction to oversee ICBC disputes. And they shed some real light on this. So, Miss Nishimura was injured in a crash. She was disabled from work uh, in the healthcare industry. And she applied to ICBC for wage replacement benefits, but they said, no, you've got sick bank benefits at your work. Go use those up. So she went ahead and did that. And then she came back to ICBC and said, hey, can you guys bump up my sick bank? Because one, I might need those benefits in the future if I become disabled for any other reason. And two, under my contract, when I retire, I get paid out 40% of my bank sick time. So makes sense that you guys, ICBC, have to pay this benefit back. And ICBC said, no, the legislation is rigged that we don't have to. You, you could use up all your other private benefits before we have to pay you anything. Now, the applicant wasn't happy, so she went to the Civil Resolution Tribunal and said, hey, that's not fair. I deserve to have this back. And the CRT said, yeah, we hear you. It's not fair, but there's not a darn thing we can do about it because that's the law. The legislation says ICBC doesn't have to make crash victims whole. Instead, ICBC just has to pay out what they've been legislated to pay out, and they can force you to use any other compensation you have available before they have to pay their share of income replacement benefits. So that's an enhanced care story for you folks. That's no fault insurance and how it actually operates. Okay. Now we can get to it. <laughs> 
I made you wait. I made you sit out here. You did make me wait. Sitting outside in the sun. That's okay. I got my cowboy hat. Yeah. And your Sue Foley shirt. My Sue Foley shirt. We went to the Sue Foley concert. It was fantastic. Sue Foley's amazing. There. She uh, did uh, played a track at the end, her uh, song at the end with our friend Tim Hersey. Yep. Um, it was a great show. Sue Foley, if you get a chance to see her live, see her live. The recorded music's great, but uh, live, you can see why they say that she's the best blues guitar player in the world. So, the Ridiculous Driver of the Week. A surprising bestseller? The pinpoint method of cross-examination is catching on. Law firms and new litigators across Canada have caught on to cross-examination, the pinpoint method. Kyla Lee's straightforward handbook that teaches you effective cross-examination skills. He's a man who perhaps did the right thing, I guess. Where was this? This was in Nebraska. So Labor Day weekend, uh, there's a video that the Nebraska Lancaster County Sheriff's Office posted to Facebook um, sharing a recording of a 911 call in which a man tells the 911 officer or operator Somebody's driving the wrong way down the interstate. That this alleged driver... Calling them in as a yeah, possible, nearly, probable drunk driver. Nearly ran him off the road. And that somebody should come and stop him. He's drunk. Come and get him. Well, turns out... He was on the wrong side of the road. He was the one that was drunk and on the wrong side of the road. Yeah. He, uh, I, I heard part of the interview there. Um, where they explained it to him and he acknowledged it. Oh, I guess, yeah, I guess it was me. I guess I was the one on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> so, I mean, thank, this is um, a bigger problem in the States, strangely, than it is in Canada. And I don't know why that is. People driving down the wrong side of the highway. And if you're in the States, you're often surprised at the on-ramps to the highway, how clearly marked it is. Do not enter here. Don't turn here. Don't come up this way. This is the wrong way. And then you'll get to the top and there'll be often signs saying you're going the wrong way. Stop. Turn around. Um, and uh, I'm always surprised when I'm in the States about those signs. Well, there's a reason for it. Um, <laughs> for drunk it's, people. It's for They are actually for drunk people. And um, the uh, it doesn't, again, doesn't happen as, in often, as often in Canada. We don't see that very often. I've had, you know, I've been doing this. How many thousands of cases I've been involved in? I don't know. I maybe had one person driving the wrong way on a divided highway. But yeah, this guy was going the wrong way down a divided highway, calling it in, trying to describe where he was. So they would. I'm going northbound. So be able to. Are you sure? Yeah. So they'd be. <laughs> oh, shit. Other, right. <laughs> anyway, pretty. Uh, I mean, he wouldn't be a ridiculous driver if he'd killed somebody. So um, thank goodness that he didn't injure somebody. I'm. I'm. Uh, Glad to see that he was also uh, very polite and pleasant when he was being dealt with. Yeah. So there you go. So, That's our podcast. Yeah. So we'll close out with a little bit of my new song. That's uh, No Justice Burrito by Paul Doroshenko, a.k.a. Prairie Paul. This is an American story. Quiet drinks with some friends at a Fort Collins pub An evening of joy turned to pain For some boys they walked by, shoved my sweet girl We called for help, but none came 
Then the police they dropped in We said hi with open hands Seeking justice or at least some thoughtful care But the law known in these parts Sworn to serve and protect Are known not to have the truest hearts I was questioned and rebuffed Asked for simple human rights I sought only what a citizen deserves But they turned it all around Smashed my body on the ground Though no peace did I disturb No peace did I disturb When the cops abuse their power, we're not humans, but their prey. Rights kick to the curb. They wouldn't hear me through their words, gave me orders, police state. A ticket upon me they'd serve, but they would not relent, put me down on the ground. I begged, seriously, my burrito I just bought. I would like to eat my snack You know my name, please let me be Then the pepper spray came out Only inches from my face Just a ticket, for goodness sake There's no justice at the curb Pepper spray into my face No human care, just jail for me When they sprayed that evil mist only inches away Forever My life was changed Forever changed Am I lost the vision in one eye Never shall Trust the police And justice was not served I still need to make my plea None of this Did I deserve I just wanted my burrito and my burrito I just wanted my burrito I did no harm Please let me be I just wanted my burrito Justice and my burrito I just wanted my burrito Please let me be that's our podcast. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law. And in the meantime, if you have a driving law-related issue that you need to reach us about, give us a call at 604-685-8889 or find us online at vancouvercriminallaw.com.